Good evening to you. My name is Josh Cannon. Over the course of doing this podcast, I have been able through one way or another to reach out to people who have appeared or worked on the show Unsolved Mysteries. Some of our listeners already know this and have enjoyed the previous full episodes me and Mike have done, where I intersperse the interview into the usually hour and 45 minute long podcast. I felt, though, like these interviews are so good and so rare that I was able to talk to somebody who appeared on Unsolved Mysteries that they deserve their own place in our podcast catalog. So this is a series of just the interviews that I did with the people who lived through the murders, hauntings, conspiracy, and even someone who worked on the set of Unsolved Mysteries. I apologize in advance for the varying audio quality in each of these interviews. Most of the people I interviewed could only talk over the phone, so I did the best with what I had. For this interview, I talked to Donna Parks, sister of Larry Dickens from the Texas Most Wanted segment. As an interesting side note to this tragic segment, this was Matthew McConaughey's first television acting role when he portrayed Larry in the reenactment. Edward Harold Bell was a sick man who got his jollies by exposing himself to children. One evening, Larry Dickens was cutting the grass at his mother's house when a truck pulled up in front of the house where children were playing. Edward Bell stepped out of the truck, naked from the waist down, and started walking towards the children. Larry's mother, Dorothy, witnessed all of this from her kitchen window as she was washing some dishes. Dorothy rushed to tell Larry about what she was seeing, and Larry took action. Larry took the man's keys as Dorothy called the cops. It was at this point when things took a severely tragic turn. Edward Bell started shooting Larry multiple times in the abdomen and even the head, but Larry refused to hand over the keys. Finally, as Larry lay bleeding in the driveway, Edward Bell came up with a rifle to finish the job. This all happened right as Larry's sister Donna was driving up to the scene. This is my interview with Donna Parks. So I'll just get into the questions now. Um, so had you had you heard of the show Unsolved Mysteries before, before you were on it? Yes, absolutely. It was one of our favorite shows. It was one of those shows that you couldn't wait for it to come on every week. And I remember, um, you know, the whole the music in the background until this day <laughs> when I hear that music, it kind of puts me in the mindset of getting excited because you knew something was about to be on TV, it was really good. Yeah, so you watched it, you watched it on Guessing where it still ran on NBC on Wednesdays, or? Yes, I did. Okay, cool. I, I remember I was a big fan of the show from the first time it came out. It was just wonderful. Yeah, same here. I, I watched it back when it was, uh, they, were, they were running the reruns on Lifetime back in like oh. the late, yeah, the late 90s, uh, early 2000s is when I mainly saw it. Because I think I was a little too young when the, well, I think my grandma, you, she really likes the show and we used to watch it. She'd come down from Massachusetts and she'd watch the show with me. I was way too little to be watching a show like that, but apparently <laughs> in her mind it was okay. So it's just like, oh. <laughs> like grandmas can get away with all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's cool. Um, well, obviously you were on the show, so that must have been a thrill to, I mean, well, I mean, it was kind of under horrible circumstances, but um, how did your family like get selected to be on Unsolved Mysteries? Was it a phone call or like how it did it was? It was a phone call. The actual incident happened in August of 1978, 
and I believe they called me in 1990, 91, right in there, and... Um, Edward Hill Bill was on the top 10 most wanted list in Texas. And I guess when they were doing research for the top 10 and everything, they came across uh, this murder and decided to look us up. And that's exactly what they did. Was it some kind of production guy who called you or was it, do you remember I'm who it was? I'm trying to remember. I mean, this was, gosh, 27 years ago. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I remember we got a phone call and they said who they were and that they were with uh, the show called Unsolved Mysteries and that they were interested in doing a segment on uh, our family and everything that we went through and hopefully be able to catch this guy. And that's exactly what happened. I can remember um, when they were going through who they were going to hire for the different parts to play on Unsolved Mysteries, my stepson actually went to the tryout to play the part of my my brother who was murdered. He didn't get the part, but his best friend did. And he had gone to school with Matthew McConaughey. Wow. And so, yeah, so it, it all worked out for the better. And, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was really something. That was Matthew McConaughey's very first role, paid acting role. And we sat and had lunch with him. It was really strange sitting across the table from him because – he really did favor my brother a lot, a lot. But what was even creepier was the guy that they got to play, Edward Harold Bell. And I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but he sat next to me at the lunch table. And, we, you know, we are sitting under the trees at this picnic table, and they had brought in sandwiches and everything for everybody uh, that was on the production team. And that kind of creeped me out a little bit because this guy did look like the murderer. So, yeah, that was kind of freaky. Yeah, I thought that they cast a really great uh, guy to play just the sleeve bag, you know, yeah, pervert. Yeah, really like, they, they, Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that segment is one of, the, one of the very few segments for me that is hard to watch, um, even the reenactment, like even knowing that the reenactment itself is fictional. It's just... It's so hard to watch. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. you've seen the segment yourself, right? Or, or Oh, yes, many times, many times. The, the main differences, of course, are the fact that they could not show how violent and bloody it really was. Um, they cut away and they didn't show things that actually happened. And um, so they, you know, they kind of downplayed it for family TV, if you will, and took away some of the really horrible parts. Yeah, even still, it was still so violent. Like, even even with even with what little they were able to show, I couldn't... What, what blew my mind and what makes it so hard to watch is you have your mother in the kitchen, and then she ha she's seeing all this happen in front of her. Like, it, it's like a movie. Like, this doesn't happen in real life, you know? Like, exactly. this kind of stuff just doesn't happen. And then she opens the door to the garage, and there he is, you know, in in the state that he's in, and there's this, this, this slime bag of a guy who's just shooting him for no reason, and, and he, all the times that he shoots him, it's like overkill. That's what yeah. really just pushed it over the edge for me. Exactly. The man was just psychotic. And especially when he fell down and my mother is holding him in her arms and he puts the gun 
right up to my brother's forehead while my mother is cradling him in her arms and he pulls the trigger. That, and I, I don't know how my mother was even able to carry on after that. She was one of the strongest women I'll ever know. So that was just beyond me. And then when she put some towels around his head and she ran back in the house to call the ambulance, she thought the guy was leaving and he goes back out to his truck and gets a high-powered rifle and comes back and stands over my brother, straddling his body, and empties it right into his face. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, and, of course, they can't show that on TV. They, that wasn't even part of it. But I watched that part from from my car when I was sitting at the stop sign. So, so it was pretty in horrific. Segment, in the segment, you or you drive up and 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 you actually block this guy off in your car. Yes. From from leaving. Right. Was was that just was that just an instinct in you? Like you you just automatic because if I saw that apart, right, I wouldn't know what was going on. But you it seemed was. to put it, it together. Yeah, it was just an instinct. I just blocked blocked his exit down the street. And then I remember jumping out of my car and running over to my brother and left the car running. And the neighbors had come out and they moved my car later. But then um, he backed out and took off and then the police chase ensued. And the only way they really caught him, well, the way they caught him, there was a helicopter over our house the whole time this was happening. Because as soon as my mother called and alerted 911, then there was a helicopter already in the area. And so they just came over and started uh, watching this guy. And he turned down a dead-end street and crashed through these people's backyard, and that's how they caught him. Yeah, and they showed that in the segment because the guy was, uh, Bell was trying to shoot down the, the cop. Yeah, and, he's gun jammed. Yeah, I mean. I know there was one part uh, when they were filming the Unsolved Mysteries that I don't know if anybody even picked up on this, but whenever... Bell backed out from where he was parked after he shot my brother and took off going down the other direction. He backed out so fast that he almost hit the entire camera crew. And when you're watching the scene unfold, you see the back of that truck come right up to the camera, and then he slams on his brakes and takes off in the other direction. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I didn't, never noticed really that. That was really scary. People were jumping and flying out of the way, and it was it was something else. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why people still, like, watch that show and talk about it so much is because they, they did really good quality work for, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really kind of timeless, you know, I mean, the, with, the, you know, everything about it. Um, you you didn't play yourself in the reenactment, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think, I didn't think you did. Um, the actress they chose to play you, though, uh, in the scene where, where, uh, Bell has to be identified as the perpetrator, and right. the woman playing you, she runs up. She goes, "That's him, that's him," and then she runs into the car and she starts hitting him. She's like, "I hate you, I hate you," and she's screaming at him. It conveyed the feeling of rage so well because that's as as the viewer, we're all feeling that as well towards this guy, this hatred towards this guy, and. I just thought that actress who portrayed you, she I thought she played that so brilliantly. Just she that, really that anger. did. And whenever they they already had the script and everything written of what they were going to do, and as I was going through it with them, 
and they didn't know that I had jumped in the car and tried to claw this guy's eyes out. And so they all had a complete rewrite then, and they wanted to put that scene in because that's exactly what happened. And I guess that scene, more than anything else, is what really grips my heart because it brings back those feelings of of rage and just complete loss of control that I had had absolutely nothing that I could do to help my family that he was already gone. And, um, yeah, that scene really gets me every time I see it. I mean, I think, I, I think, um, I think everybody can relate to that reaction because yeah. that's how anybody would want to react. Some people wouldn't be ballsy enough to do it. I mean, you, <laughs> you're a very, uh, uh, daring person because, I mean, not only did you block this guy off, then you jump in and, and attack him and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, like, you uh, you really uh, are a very uh, gutsy person for for doing all that stuff because I, I think some people might not might have uh, been a little too afraid to even encounter that with this guy, but you didn't care. You just went in there and uh, yeah, went I just after. wanted to him. I, I don't know that I would have done that if he had not have been handcuffed. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> but at the time, you know, it was just a gut reaction, just something that just I couldn't control it. I just attacked him. So, yeah. So, you've seen the, you've seen the um, segment as a whole. Um, it, does it pretty much um, lay out how it, how it went down? Uh, is there anything they left out? I mean, you've told me some things already, but kind of as a whole, is that... Is that, uh, did they leave out any major details or anything that they couldn't really show or anything like that? Um, not major details. I mean, that I recently saw the crime scene pictures again of, you know, exactly how my brother's body was positioned and where a certain plant was. And, you know, I remember once I ran up and I started screaming to my mom, is he dead? Is he dead? And she said, I don't know, Donna. I just screamed and I took off running. And I remember I ran to the front yard and I fell face down in the grass and I started screaming and screaming. And then I picked myself up and I said, you know, I got to get a grip. I got to help my mom. And so I went back and that's when, you know, the police, you could hear the helicopter down going around the neighborhood and the police cruisers were pulling up from every direction. And, um, but that's, that's the house that we lived in, and that's the house that they shot all the scenes in. That was the exact sink that my mother was working at when she looked out the window and saw this man um, exposing himself to the young kids that were playing in the street there. And I've driven back by there a few times when I've been back home, and it still brings up those incredible, strong memories of living through that. And we lived there another four or five years, I guess, after um, all this happened before I got married and moved away. But, yeah, even to this day, it still brings up really strong emotions. Just sitting at the stop sign and looking across at the house and seeing the whole scene play out in my mind the exact way that they showed it on Unsolved Mysteries. Wow, yeah, so they they uh so they did shoot it at the exact location and everything. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, what they did. That's another thing that's cool about that show is because they always try to do that whenever they can. Um, they do have to build sets and stuff sometimes, but, yeah, they usually are able to shoot it um, right where it happened. Um, so, 
I, I read online. It's crazy, like the kind of information you get online. Um, it's it's like a it's like a Wikipedia page, but for unsolved mysteries uh, oh. segments or whatever. Um, and and it was saying that um, your mom did unfortunately pass away in 2012. She did. Um, yeah. So how how was she? For I mean, for the longest time after the fact, after because I know Bell skipped out on bail two months after the murder, and he went on the run, but was eventually captured, and they gave us an update about that on Unsolved Mysteries. Um, so after he was recaptured, everything like like did your mother ever go back to a sense of normalcy and peace in her life, or, or did she kind of hold on to that? Oh, no, she absolutely um, was the strongest person that I've ever met. She was able, I mean, she had, I had three brothers and me, and then she married a man who had three girls and a boy, and so we were all just like one big Brady Bunch family. But it was, oh, wow. yeah, it was kind of crazy back then, but um, she still had, you know, kids to raise and a, a job to do, and she and her strength and her faith in God is what got her through it all and actually is what kept the family together and got all of us through it. Um, so she was able to go and put it behind her. I can remember she even taught a few classes at my high school my senior year because that happened right when school was getting ready to start for my senior year. And um, she was just an amazing woman. She really was. Yeah, she she came off as... Uh... Uh, her personality really shined through on the interview. She seemed like a very kind, you know, just genuine woman. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 and it makes you feel like all that much worse that some random, you know, yeah. act of extreme violence has to befall a family like that, you know, cause it's right. like, geez, you know, like, how, how do, you know, who does that and happen? And she had already how, had so much tragedy in her life and even as the years went on and on there was more tragedy that befell our family and one time I was sitting and talking with her and I was asking her mom why why us why me why did all this happen and she looked at me and she said you know I've asked that question before I've asked God why me God why did you let this happen and the clearest thing that came into my head was why not me you know, somebody else maybe would have fallen apart or turned to drugs or alcohol or even committed suicide. But with her ever-abiding faith in God, she was able to get through it. And this actually made her and our family stronger because we went through it together. And we figured if we can get through that, we can get through anything. And, you know, you've heard people say that God won't ever give you more than you can handle. But that's not true. That's not written anywhere in the Bible or scrolls or anywhere. God always gives you more than you can handle. Otherwise, we wouldn't have any reason to run to him when we get into trouble. And she used that philosophy throughout her life and just was able to bring us all up with a sense of, you know, if we can get through this, we can get through anything. And we did. And we have. And we will continue to do so. Well, that's that's awesome. That's that's a fantastic perspective to have on something like that because you know you anybody in your family had they 
started drinking or whatever to cope with that, it, it, nobody would have uh, questioned it. It would have been understandable given those kind of exactly. horrible circumstances. But, you know, the fact that you're able to kind of bounce back from something like that is, uh, I mean, geez, I, you know, I, I obviously I've never, nothing like that has even come close to happening to me. So, I mean, you're a stronger person than I am. I know that much. Because, I mean, you know, I don't think any of us really know how strong we are until we're put in the situation to actually have to stand up and and say, you know what, I'm not going to let this get me down. Because if I do, then the killer wins even more. He's already taken one life. He's not going to destroy another, and I'm going to get through this. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so, I also, again, online... <laughs> find any, everything on there. So it's, it, I saw that um, Larry actually had a daughter. He did, Wendy. How's she doing these days? She's doing wonderful. Um, she lives not too far from where we lived at the time. She was only three years old when this happened, and now she's living in, in Conroe, and she's got two daughters of her own, and she's just chugging along, and she turned out to be the most um, sweetest, Funniest person that I think I've ever met. Is there is yeah. there any of uh, is there any of Larry's personality in there that you can see? All of it, all of it oh, is right wow. there in a big bundle of laughter. I can't be around her without tears streaming down my face from laughing so hard. She's <laughs> just one of the funniest people I've ever met, and she's incredible. Well, that's that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Yeah, see, this is, I don't know, like, ever, ever since I've been talking to you, I'm, I'm like, feeling very um, encouraged and, and less sad about this case because how Unsolved Mysteries ends, that it, it leaves it leaves it on such a downer. And uh, it, it's great to just hear that everybody's doing so well, uh, you know, relatively, you know, given right, yeah. the circumstances. So that's I think that's really encouraging. So what what brought you from Texas? to uh, South Carolina, like, how'd you end up there? Oh, I, I fell in love with some old boy and got married. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I've never been happier in my life. I never thought I would leave Texas, but um, um, it's just completely changed my life around, and I've never been happier. And he has his own radio show, actually, as well, so oh, really? um, I kind of know what you're going through with all that. So, yeah, South Carolina is not Texas, but it's the next best thing. Well, uh, you guys kind of do get, see, Florida, like, we're we're right there, like, on the uh, Atlantic, so anytime a hurricane comes through, and I live in Jacksonville, which is right by the coast, anytime a hurricane comes through, it always acts like it's going to hit Jacksonville, and it goes, nope, and then it goes right yeah. up to South Carolina every single time. <laughs> I feel so bad for, for you guys, because I'm just like, oh, my gosh, yet another hurricane. That was heading yeah. straight towards us, and then it just curves up to South Carolina. I don't know how like, <laughs> close to the coast you live, but, uh, yeah. It's We're like, very close to the coast, but, you know, it seems like all the ones that come by here aren't that terrible, so we haven't had any problems uh, for many, many years. Um, oh, Matthew didn't really, really do anything? That was a, a major rain event, but it, it didn't flood everything like everyone thought it was going to. It was more the rain and the flash flooding inland, not so much along the coast. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. that actually that one actually did kind of hit us, and I didn't have power yeah. for like a whole week. But yeah, 
I mean, we hadn't had a good, we hadn't had like our good hurricane in a while. So, I mean, we were, right. we were long overdue for one. Um, well, let me see here. I'm looking over my questions and, um, oh, um, did, uh, okay. So I posted on our Facebook group that I was chatting with you and for anyone to uh, ask questions if they had any. Um, and you kind of answered some already, but, uh, one person asked if you ever got to meet Matthew McConaughey when, uh, he played your brother, but you, you already answered that. And you said that he was actually friends with your stepson, was it? Yes, he was. And, um, they actually went to school together at University of Texas. And so when he was there that day, he came and ate lunch with the family and everything. And the resemblance is uncanny how he looked and how my brother looked. It's just really, they, they picked the perfect person. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, the, uh, Hollywood and everything, they're always commenting on Matthew McConaughey's abs, you know, how he's got these yeah. these glistening abs. And I just thought it was kind of funny how his first acting role, of course, he's wearing some, like, denim vest with his glistening abs and it was just like, man, is there any time he's not showing his abs in a movie or somewhere, you know? Like, it's just, I thought that was funny. Like, even his first acting role, that, that they had him do that or whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, when you've got something like that, you might as well put it, write it into the script, right? Yeah, so when you were talking to him, did you think like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be a huge movie star for sure? No, actually, um, he was just a, a friend of my stepson's, and they, you know, they had hung out together a few times. That was the first time I had met him. But, you know, after seeing him play my brother, it wasn't one of those light bulb moments when you think he's going to be a, this great star. I was more concerned with, you know, the actors themselves playing the role in such a way that they would catch this guy, which is exactly what happened. Yeah, true. Yeah, so now he's living in Austin, I believe, with his family. And my kids are in Austin, too. So I get back there every once in a while. Um, Somebody, one of our listeners, Morgan, she asks, um, was there a lot of aftermath, and were you and your family well-known for a long time? I guess after this incident. Well, everyone knew about it. Pasadena back then was kind of a... A uh, much smaller town, obviously, than it is now, and nothing like this had ever happened before. So um, I, I think people knew who we were. They had seen our pictures in the paper. There wasn't, of course, anything like computers or laptops or Facebook or anything back then, so it wasn't like it is now. But um, the aftermath was a little scary because the police came and once, he posted bail and escaped, or, or was released, rather. Once he posted bail and was released, we were under 24-hour protection because they thought he might try and come back and kill either me or my mom because we were the only witnesses. And so for weeks and weeks and weeks, we had police at our house all the time, and that was a little disconcerting. Um you know, and it seems like as the years were on, if I would stop or pull up at a red light or something, I would see him. I would I would believe he was someone walking in the mall or that I just saw him. And it, it, it was kind of freaky the whole time. I was, you know, growing into a young woman. I kept thinking that I saw this man somewhere close to me. And he did come back to Texas a few times. 
but thank goodness um, he, he was never back to look for me or my mother. So that was kind of scary. And what, what's your theory on this guy? Do you think he was just uh, a psycho who had, like, a severe mental illness, or do you think he was uh, just a pervert? Or, like, what, what's your... Like, what's your theory on this guy, like, mentally? What's going on with him? Well, I, I do believe he suffers from schizophrenia and some other mental issues. He claims that he was used by the government and brainwashed, and they forced him to go and kill these young girls, and they forced him to do the other horrible things that he had done. But... Back then, at the time when Unsolved Mysteries was going through this, he um, wasn't showing any signs of being a psycho, except for the fact that he was, you know, exposing himself to all these kids on the street and that he killed my brother. Um, he was a wealthy businessman. He owned his own company down in Crystal Beach, and he had a family, and apparently he was well-respected, but whenever they captured him in his truck. He had thousands of dollars in cash. He had child pornography. He had boxes of ammunition and several guns. So he was out to do something that day. Nobody really knows what it was, but he was out to do something. Um, so maybe my brother lost his life in order to keep this guy maybe from doing some other horrible act. You know, we never know. It's all speculation. Well, most definitely he would have continued doing something horrible had had that incident not escalated in him getting apprehended ultimately. Um, right. Now, whenever I was at the trial, after his trial, he had some family members there and his brother was there. And his brother came up to me after the trial and just apologized on behalf of his family for everything that our family had gone through and just broke down in tears and said that um, his brother wasn't raised like that and he doesn't know what caused it and that he turned out normal and so he doesn't really know what happened to his brother to make him just go off the deep end like that. But apparently he had been off the deep end for um, for many, many years doing a lot more horrible things than just killing my brother. Jeez, that's... Yeah, you do got to wonder about that, you know, like how did how did the how did the brother not turn out to be because, you know, schizophrenia, that that runs in that's like family genetics, you know. That's that's right. how it's influenced by genetics, you know. So, like I have a friend who has schizophrenia and her her brother has it as well. If she ever has kids and there's a high chance it could get passed on to them. So that's that's so bizarre that he turned out so messed up and the brother was I guess seemingly not that way. That must have but been see, hard. No one knew that that the killer was a serial killer until sometime in 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. Nobody knew that until I wrote him a letter in prison telling him about uh, the concept of forgiveness and that it was something that I lived my life by and that I, I wanted to share that with him and possibly... You know, I knew that he was getting older and such and that maybe he could find some kind of peace and forgiveness, but I wanted him to know that I forgave him and I wasn't holding on to that anger and that bitterness and rage anymore because that doesn't do anybody any good but eat you up inside. And if you ever go out for revenge against someone, you better dig two graves because you're going to need one too.
So I had to learn early on to let go of all that. And after I wrote him the letter is when he started his confessions of being a serial killer. Now, so so you write him a letter in jail. When when did this happen? Did this happen like a few years after the after the incident with your brother, or was this like yeah, a decade? This didn't, hap- this didn't happen until 2011. Oh, so from 1978 okay. until 2011, I wrote him a letter. So. So it, so in 2011, you finally contact this, or you write him a letter, right. and. Mm-hmm. After that, how how long did it take before he... I don't remember the exact dates of it. Um, I remember I wrote him the letter in September of 2011, and I believe it was in between October, November, and December that he started making these confessions. Oh, wow. So he that, that letter really got to him then. Yeah. So, yeah, because I've, I've been seeing some articles floating around about how there's like 11 other people that he is, uh, police are interested in him about that he could have potentially been involved with. That's right. And, and that's, he and that calls all- them the 11 that went to heaven. Yeah. I, so geez. he's actually, if you count my brother, he's actually killed 12, but those are just the 11 that he remembers. There could be more. Wow, so so your letter got, you know, even more answers for other families who didn't have answers necessarily for what happened to right. their kids or whatever, you know, like family members. Right. That's what hey, you know, I mean that's it's it's an awful thing, but I think you know, from watching a lot of these unsolved mysteries cases and just watching a lot of these true crime cases in general, it seems like even though these awful things do happen to family members they just want answers. Like, even if it's, like, a horrible answer that they're not going to like, uh, I think it's worse to be in the dark about something and not know what happened. Uh, That's true. You know, rather than knowing, and at least you know all that. So so that's, that's something, I guess, to be, uh, you know, I guess thankful for to a certain extent. Um, yeah. You were really easy to talk to, by the way. I appreciate well, that. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Appreciate that. I think I, you answered all the questions that I had. Great. All right, Josh. Well, if you need to call me back any time, just give me a ring or send me a text or something, and we'll set up another time to chat. All right, Donna. Have a good rest of your night. Uh-huh. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, guys. So that was the interview. Uh, again, she awesome woman. Uh so happy that she talked to me if you're listening to this donna thank you so much for uh, giving me the time and i know a hundred percent that our listeners absolutely appreciate hearing from you and hearing uh your side of everything that's happened and um glad to hear that everything's going so well now um that's the episode guys if you want to uh add me and mike on youtube for even more entertaining content mike's youtube channel is youtube.com slash ocp communications and he does movie reviews and taste tests and uh mainly movies that's his big thing he's a big movie guy so he talks a lot about movies uh when he's not dealing with copyright strikes and my channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts and um have a good rest of your day 